0: The new Super Beats Hard Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats, dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Welcome to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, captivating and revealing interviews with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They regale you with memorable and entertaining stories, some hilarious, some emotional, but all of them well worth your time. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and the TuneIn app. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is sponsored by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dog and a Chicago institution since 1893. Find them at viennabeef.com. And by the Polina Market, Chicago's premier purveyors of fine meats and so much more since 1949. Find them at Polinamarket.com. This week, we feature a very familiar voice to Chicagoans and nationwide, none other than Gene Honda.
0: So I was lucky that when I was it? eight, nine months in between doing a live sporting event that when I was back to doing an Illinois football game, lo and behold, same thing. Yes, it's strange beforehand. There's no one in front of you. There's no one in the seats. But once the game starts, your focus is clearly and completely on the game. The only thing you realize afterwards is, gee, it's real easy to get out of the parking lot today.
2: Ever watch a White Sox game? How about the Blackhawks or Illinois football or DePaul basketball, the Big Ten tournament, the Chicago Marathon, and surely you've watched the Final Four. There is one correlation to all of them, and that's Gene Honda, one of the very best public address announcers there is. And he can also be seen on Channel 11 WTTW. Honda is a native of Andersonville, a graduate of the U of I, and has used his sturdy and booming voice as a PA announcer for over 35 years, and he's not done yet. So, Gene Honda, tell me a story.
0: I don't know. Well, I wasn't supposed to be a broadcaster. How's that for starters? That's a surprise. Uh, Really? Why? Because of your voice. Yeah, okay. Uh, (laughs) How many people do we run into? Uh, who who you, you talk with them and, wow, you've got a great voice, male, female, doesn't matter. And you think that they should be in broadcasting too. No, this was, uh, it was an accident. It was something that wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, when I walked onto the campus in Champaign-Urbana, uh, I was supposed to be a design engineer. And that's what everything I had done before that led to or was supposed to lead to. And after one year of that, I realized that you're not as good as you thought you were in math and science. And so I floundered for a couple of years, transferred into finance. And then just by sheer coincidence and luck, I was down there for summer school one year and uh, my late cousin and I were going to summer school. We saw an ad in the Daily Illini, interested in becoming a DJ, come to WPGU Open House. And we did. And uh, next thing you know, I did it mainly because my late father had always said, if you can ever expand on your ability to speak in public, do it. I'm pretty sure he meant take a speech class. (laughs) Instead, his knucklehead son decides to wander into a radio station. And it was also because he had also said, you talk too fast. And I think I still do you have to catch yourself every now and then to, to consciously slow down. So it drives me crazy when people say, can you speed that read up a little bit? I'm going, what are you doing to me?
2: <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned that I started thinking about my dad because as a kid, I talked a whole lot and he looked at me one day and he said, if talking was gold, you'd be rich. Yeah. Well, I'm not rich, but he had
0: the right idea. We were in the right direction. Um, I know what dad meant and I still believe that his initial philosophy and belief is still true. You look at a lot of people, I think this had, this was about 12, 13 years ago, the New York times did a survey of the number one fear that adults have and it's speaking in public. And if that's the case, then uh, maybe a little more training, (laughs) maybe they should take a speech class too. I don't know.
2: That that might help them. You know, 2020, had to be a nightmare for you because of the pandemic. So there were no socks games for you, no nope. Final Four, limited nope. gigs, and
0: others. So tell me a story I don't know how you coped with all of this. You know, there's a lot of things that I should have done here at home, cleaning, organizing, pitching, throwing things out that I never got to because I just sat here, went through things, took my time. And you're right, it, it was still a nightmare. But I got some things done, and I I, I still had a chance to uh, stay in touch with people. Funniest thing was how many people, and it, this still happens now. We're afraid to call you because gee, I'm sorry, I have nothing new to tell you. I, and that's still true, but slowly but surely, uh, you get through it. You, you talk to friends, you talk to coworkers, and uh, I think. The biggest thing that helped was the harsh realization that you're not alone. Well, what is it like
2: when you do this with no fans in the stands? I wonder what kind of challenge that is
0: for you, if it is a challenge at all. I'm sorry to say it's not a challenge. And I I apologize because I guess there'd be more of a story there if there was. In every situation, especially when you first start, I think everyone goes through Uh, whether you're on the air or doing something live in front of people, you tend to condense your focus down to such a tight little peephole that all you're focusing on is what's supposed to be happening. And over time, that field of vision expands. So I was lucky that when, what was it, eight, nine months in between doing a live sporting event, that when I was back to doing an Illinois football game, lo and behold, Same thing. Yes, it's strange beforehand. There's no one in front of you. There's no one in the seats. But once the game starts, your focus is clearly and completely on the game. The only thing you realize afterwards is, gee, it's real easy to get out of the parking lot today.
2: You know, this is how you make your living. Yet Jerry Reinsdorf and Rocky Wirtz took care
0: of you. That's pretty good. It was. It was. I mean, that helped. I did, you know, uh, uh, again, go looking back at 2020, stupid things you did and didn't do. Uh, didn't do, never filed for unemployment. Probably should have. Yes, we lost money here, but so did a lot of other people. So, like I said, you just move forward and you hope that uh, there are games and jobs coming your way.
2: You are a stickler for making sure you pronounce names correctly. And there have been challenges, Gene, particularly in the <laughs> In the NHL. So tell me a story I don't know. How do you prepare? What's the toughest
0: sport? And have you ever goofed? Not intentionally. Uh, Let's start with the first question. Um, Luckily, the National Hockey League puts out a pronunciation guide at the start of each season for every player signed by any NHL team. So I go through, look up each roster before each game, and I have that then printed out to be able to work with. Now, sometimes they're not as accurate as they should be. Let's go back to former Blackhawks goalie, uh, Nikolai Habibulan. Right? Now, that's how you and I said his name, right? Right. Believe it or not, in one of the early, early pronunciation guides, they listed him as Khabibulin. So then you realize, all right, I better check this one through. You say hockey. Baseball's just as bad, you know. For years... Bef- even before we acquired him, the pronunciation guide said the uh, first baseman for Cleveland was Jim Tomey, and yet I'd hear every announcer call him Tomey, like, like Mel Torme. Right. And then I finally got to meet him. I go, all right, <laughs> tell me your name. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me. It's, go, it's actually Tome. <laughs> it, it, no, yeah, wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't oh, Oh, you no. Know. I'll give you three options, and none of them are right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But it's (laughs) Tommy. You you hope that you get them right that way. There's always different pronunciation guides. And as I said, sometimes they're right. Well,
2: you do have a style and a flair. Witness one particular name I can think of. is the White Sox longtime first baseman, D.H. He wasn't just Frank Thomas.
0: That was an accident. That really really was. Yes, and it was because uh, they didn't want nicknames. They wanted the player's name. Uh, Meanwhile, I have a wonderful announcer in another booth calling him the Big Hurt. And it just so happened that if I combine that thought, and then I had an old friend of mine, and she told me uh, she'd heard, heard some other PA announcers long before. And she said, they always take them take the tone up she said to the point where i'm not sure he has any place else to go (laughs) he's on the 25th floor of a 24 building so for whatever reason that thought cropped into my head and the next thing you know i'm taking frank thomas down and that's how that started no one corrected me no one said anything so i just kept doing it and it became uh, pretty popular It stuck how about that
2: yeah well are there others in any other sport where you do
0: that no, I, you, you do it where it feels good. I mean, you don't plan it. The name has to give you a map. You look at, for example, one of the greatest baseball players, let's play it on the south side, only had four letters in his last name. F-I-S-K. How do you stretch that? It's hard. You try to. But when you're stuck with that, you have to play with what you got.
2: Could have stretched his first name
0: which I did, even though that (laughs) I was told something by, and I'll give him credit. I remember after my first or second games ever, working at the White Sox, uh, Eddie Einhorn's advice was, if you're going to stretch the name, stretch the last name. And I looked at him, and he said, I'll tell you why. Because that's the name you write in the scorecard. And it made perfect sense at the time. An argument can be made now about, why? It's on the scoreboard, it's written there, and oh, by the way, nobody s- scores a baseball game anymore, which I think is sad, but okay.
2: You know, it's not just the names that you read, it's promotions and advertisements. Uh, so tell me a story I don't know, how much getting into the radio business helped you with
0: that aspect of this? How about everything? Man, celebrate Sox Surf Week with our special 60 tickets for $20 to better your chances. Get your Sonsquid tickets from a roving cellar or at the nearest kiosk in sections 135, 157, or 535. Remember, you got to be in it to win. It's kind of like, and I'm sure you get this too, people who will ask you about getting into broadcasting. And uh, no offense to what we're doing right now, but I do a podcast. Well, that's wonderful. But there's something about commercial broadcasting that over time you learn the rules You learn what to do and not to do, but you also have to do commercial reads. And if it weren't for those, uh, I'm not sure how it easily would translate over to what I do at a sporting event. Because it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And if you can do one, you can do the other.
2: You know, at times, there doesn't seem to be, Gene, a team or a venue your name isn't attached to. So tell me a story, I don't know,
0: whether you announce yourself entering your house, a bar, or a party. <laughs> Never. <laughs> if you'll notice, I don't even do I, I, I don't do it. I try not to do it at sporting events. And the reason is no one, no one paid for a ticket to come to that event just to hear me. I'm an accessory to the event. I like being an accessory to the event. I prefer staying as an accessory to the event. You're there to see Frank Thomas. You're there to see Patrick Kane. You're not there to hear me. Blackhawk go on the power play, his seventh of the season, scored by number 88, Patrick Kane. This is to my number 12, Alex DeBrinkett, at 29 seconds. I'm just happy to be there that you have no choice. <laughs>
2: Tell me a story I don't know is sponsored by the Polina market and with the grilling season upon us, you have no excuse not to shop there. It's been Chicago's premier market for the finest meats and more since 1949 and it's gotten bigger and better. How about chicken and fish in your basket to go along with their absolutely mouth-watering steaks such as the tomahawk porterhouse and wagyu and if you like brats and sausages add that to your basket and head right to the grill then there's the vast frozen food section where everything is freshly made including chicken pot pies meatloaf and pulled pork besides the addition of fresh seafood the Plina market is now serving sandwiches it also has a solid array of wonderful wines and beers Plus, they've expanded again, making the in-store experience even more satisfying. Remember, you can still order online and you can have it shipped wherever you live. I've been shopping here for 37 years and with good reason. The Polina Market is as good as it gets and conveniently located at 3501 North Lincoln Avenue in Chicago. Check them out on their impressive website at Polinamarket.com. The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A and just one F on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and the free TuneIn app and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with Gene Honda on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Now let me tell you a story about Gene and me you don't know. It's... 1985, I'm in business for myself as a freelance radio guy with dozens of clients. But one day, the White Sox director of promotions, I believe that was his title, Mike McClure, invites me to the then old Comiskey Park to try out as the team's PA announcer. What a thrill. I mean, I grew up listening to Tate's Johnson and his almost monotone delivery and Pat Piper on the north side with the Cubs. Loved it uh, on the south side when... Tate Johnson would introduce Smokey Burgess as the pin shitter and fans would cheer. Anyhow, McClure actually offered me the job, 50 bucks a game. Not bad for a freelancer. Only I had to turn it down because it would have cost me far more in the lost business. So of course the guy who got the job was you and you've been there ever since. Did you ever think you would last this long?
0: No. No, and a couple of things I can add to that. Uh, first of all, Teach Johnson. What a great name to remember. Um, Mike McClure was the vice president of marketing and broadcasting at the time. I remember, and again, I was not supposed to be in broadcasting. I just, but when I would go to White Sox games, and this had to be the late 60s, the voice I remember was Bud Kelly. Yes. And the only reason I was able to associate... A name with a voice was, A, he was doing mornings on WBBM before they were news radio, and B, he was also one of the first announcers and newscasters at this fledgling UHF television station owned by Field Communications, WFLD. And we were required to watch that at home only because my late father was the chief architect of Marina City, and where were their studios? Yep. Right and what was supposed to be a live stage theater there at Marina City. And they were there for quite a long time, too. So same story. Just as I saw the article in the Daily Illini about becoming a disc jockey, I was doing mornings at WLAK, love songs at 94 FM. Oh, I remember that. I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> the lake, I do. No, it was after we were the sixth great lake, They changed over their format and their slogan liner to be love songs. Well, anyway, I was doing mornings, and even though I was doing what I wanted to do, I I actually had the chance to be on the air in a major market. You still look for ways to expand your visibility, and in my case, hopefully it was in a positive manner. Here comes a one-inch column piece in the Chicago Sun-Times that says the White Sox are looking for a public address announcer. Called over there, asked how to apply. They said send us a tape. I did. Unbeknownst to me, what was going on with you and, and Mike McClure. And then about a month and a half, maybe two months later, that was February of '85. So I think it had to be March. I get a phone call saying, "Can you please come to lunch?" Well, I'm old, you know. I'm old radio, free T-shirts, food, maybe a beer. I'm there. I was welcomed by a gentleman named Scott Smith, who sat me down in the office and said, by the way, can you sing? No. Can you sing? (laughs) No. Well, that's all right. You've got the job anyway. And that was it. Then I held a job for the 85 season. In 86, two weeks before the home opener, WLAK changed my air shift. Instead of morning 6 to 10, I was moved to afternoons 3 to 7. And that literally knocked me out of the ballgame for the next four seasons. In 1990, the last year in, in the old ballpark, I got a call. And there's a long story to this, but uh, can you come and fill in? And I did. Uh, next thing you know, they said, you weren't filling in, you were auditioning. We'd like you to finish off half of the rest of this season. And then when we move across the street into the new building, it's all you. So then I've been there ever since.
2: It's really amazing and fun. How bad it is.
0: Fun. And I
2: mean, I, re- I remember when I tried out for it because as a kid, this is what you hear. You hear Harvey Wittenberg and you yep. hear Ben Bentley and, and you hear all these people. And, you know, as a kid growing up and wanting to, to be in this business, the, that sounded very alluring to me. I still can envision uh, trying out. And it was like, wow.
0: Isn't that funny? Because you'd already asked the question about announcing to an empty stadium. In some ways, that audition in an empty stadium is all, more, all the more frightening because of that. And it was. I never had to do it. Uh, I was hired strictly off the tape. So tell me a story I don't know about doing the White Sox. Was there a game or
2: circumstance that stood out while you were doing the PA? Because this is uh, – we're talking on and off now
0: here, 30-plus years. Yeah. No, it, it, this will be season 32, I believe. I don't know. They all tend to blend together. Obviously, they're special games, um, clinching games, all-star games, playoff games, but and they all tend to blend together. It becomes – it's uh, – A whole bunch of colors that become one painting, and hopefully that continues.
2: How about being the PA announcer for a World Series game?
0: One of the things you didn't think would would ever happen, (laughs) uh, and I hate to say it that way, but you know, you just don't think you're ever going to see a World Series game. Well, all of a sudden, here Mm -hmm. it is, and sometimes you do yourself a disservice, and that is you know, you're walking into the stadium, you see all the different banners, you see the crowds. And at some point in time, you've got to calm yourself down and say, it's just another ball game. You'll lie to yourself. And sometimes that lie takes hold <laughs> in the sense that, okay, maybe it's not just a regular ball game. You really don't get that sense until after it's all over. And you've, you've cheated yourself out of the enthusiasm, but that's fine.
2: You replaced, I, I would call him the legendary Harvey Wittenberg. Uh, with the blackhawks in 2001 so i wonder what it was like when suddenly the team rose from the ashes and instead of a few thousand i'm going to to turn this thing around now instead of a few thousand fans you were announcing to there was a packed house every night so tell me a story i don't know if there's a difference now here when there is a full house of people in there
0: if you don't feed off of that energy you're in the wrong business how's that for a starter Yeah, you feed off of it. I've told many people many times that um, a lot of times you'll go through all the pregame reads and all the things you have to do, and you do it with a mindset of being a professional. Then something, a, a switch gets turned. And oftentimes that switch is when you have to stand up and you get to enjoy the anthem like everyone else. And you remember, oh, yeah, that's where I am, and that's why I'm here.
2: What is it like to introduce the anthem? Because I think everybody around the country, anybody who watches a hockey game, even a casual fan, understands this is where it all began. But you're the guy who introduces it. I wonder if it's a thrill every night.
0: Yes, and and, and interesting parallel. Um, I filled in for Tommy Edwards three times at the old Chicago Stadium doing Bulls games. And girlfriend at the time told me later on uh, you know there's people in the hallway and everyone says hey what time is it because we need to be in our seats for the intros well it's the same thing now for blackhawks games for the pregame video before they take the ice and of course the anthem ladies and gentlemen please rise kindly move all hats to honor u.s army major general dennis selenny US Army veteran Colonel James Pitcher and joint organist Frank Pellico and, and soloist Jim Cornelison for the singing of
3: our national anthem.
0: Yes, you realize at some point in time that guess what? You are the lead into the crescendo. And you have to be mindful of that. Remember that, be proud of it, and and play with it.
2: Well, it's the same, it's the same at White Sox games when you're introducing it with all the music and the oh, flair yeah.
0: and the fanfare. Well, in the same way that the anthem is the is, is the switch at a Blackhawks game, uh, thunderstruck. Yep. Or when they get ready to take the field, whatever song they're using, that's the that's the switch there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: I have to believe for a person in your position when you announce a player's milestone that has to be a thrill for you and yet you have to gauge how enthusiastic
0: you get no you know you, hmm. you, you do you, you give as much as you can because it's a singular moment both for you but don't forget it's also for the player and for the people who are there so you give it as much as you can Uh, with the emphasis on the player's name. After all, he or she is the one who just achieved that accomplishment.
2: Yet I have heard others do your job around the country, and most of them are so over the top, Gene, it drives me crazy.
0: You? You know, the funniest thing is we had a security guard at the White Sox And uh, I I forget the circumstances. We were probably having a beer after a game, you know, a couple seasons into it. Ed McCarthy is his name. And he made the nicest comment that has almost become like a mantra for me. He says, you know what I like about you? You announce with a dignified enthusiasm. What a wonderful thing to say. And also what a nice definition and establishment of parameters. If you're going to do things, do it with enthusiasm, but in a dignified manner.
2: You also called DePaul basketball and Illinois mm-hmm. football, where mm-hmm. you went to school, and since 2003, a very coveted job, the NCAA's Final Four. Tell me a yeah. story I don't know. How did you get the gig, what it's like, and what it was like especially, especially <laughs> when you – were there for the Illini in <laughs> 2005
0: <laughs> and then Loyola in 2017. A uh, similar feeling there. It was an accident. Again, uh, this is like a whole series of accidents. 2002, I was at Iowa City. Scott Reed, who was the longtime sports information director at DePaul. Actually, he was the one who first invited me. Could you Would you be interested in coming to do DePaul games? And I'll get on your feet and greet you, DePaul. And then he asked me to be to announce the bridal party at his wedding. I hate doing those things. Did you
2: really do that?
0: Well, again, I hate doing those things because you feel you're not an announcer. You're more like a carnival barker. And, again, that goes back to dignified enthusiasm. That's different. But for Scott, we're doing it. Okay. So I'm in Iowa City. I've done my duty. And I'm sorry to say this. I'm at the bar. I've had a few. And a gentleman, a friend of Scott's named Mark Beddix, comes up to me and says, I've heard you do the Paul games. You do a very nice job. I said, thank you. Would you be interested in doing the Final Four? Now, hopefully it doesn't come across in the podcast, but as you well know, I'm kind of a smarty.
3: Really? I almost, I,
0: I, 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 I almost used a word that should never be used in broadcasting. But um, I almost said, how many have you had? Oh. Instead, I said, sure. Turns out Mark Benix was, and it's still with, the, to the best of my knowledge, the NCAA. He now runs the Frozen Four. And um, next thing I know, the NCAA the is asking, asking Paul for a tape. We make a tape, and then I get a letter in November of 2002 inviting me to New Orleans for the 2003 Final Four. That was it. What a gig. Yeah, straight, plain, and simple. Uh, You go to 2005, you jump to Illinois. I I think what I should tell you is in 2003, so were the Superdome, which is the largest interior of a building I've ever seen. And I'm getting ready to do semifinal game number one. And all of a sudden it hits you. What am I doing? You look around the place, it's cavernous. And hopefully this happens to everyone. At some point, there's a job or an event or something that you're going to go through, and you, you ask that same question. What am I doing here? Well, my late father and my sister were there at the game. And I don't know why, but I happened to look up and saw them in the seats. And I saw my father smiling. And I thought, okay, it's all right. You're here to do a job. You're supposed to be here. But now you have to earn the right to be here. Do your job. And I did. Let's meet the starting lineups. At forward for Syracuse, a 6'8 freshman from Baltimore, Maryland, number 15, Carmelo Anthony.
2: What was 2005 like as an Illinois grad?
0: A ton of fun. (laughs) Except for one game. Um. (laughs) Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, the stars were in perfect alignment. Illinois didn't have to travel far for any of their NCAA tournament games. And here you are in St. Louis, which is a stone's throw, not, not literally, of course, uh, from Champaign. So, you know, it was a sea of orange. For tonight's national championship game between the University of North Carolina Tar Heels and the University of a 6'3 junior from the Colony, Texas, number five, Darren Williams. It was wonderful to see, and hopefully I'll get to see it again before I'm done doing Final Fours.
2: Well, then there's Loyola, which was, like, totally unexpected. What was that like? Very similar.
0: Uh, To go that far away from Chicago and still see so many people that you knew, it was... (laughs) You know, it's something that's fun to experience and, and, and that I hope a lot of people get a chance to do. It's funny. I tell people this, and I, I hope someone believes me someday. If you ever get the opportunity to go to a Final Four, even if your school isn't there, go. It's wonderful. Uh, I know people rave about going to a Super Bowl, even if your team isn't there. But you get a similar feeling.
2: I've covered four of them. I can vouch for that. It is a completely, totally different experience. By the way, going back to Illinois for a moment, you were behind the mic at the Rosemont Horizon for that stunning, unexpected, and sensational comeback by the Illini, which, you know, eventually propelled them into the Final Four. Yep. What was that like? for you, you know,
0: or you don't know this, uh, The uh, at any tournament game, the NCAA sends a high level representative to oversee everything. So by that time I knew the person they had sent. And the toughest thing is that when you do a game like that, you can't be biased in any way, shape or form. I couldn't even wear an orange and blue necktie. (laughs) (laughs) I know better than that (laughs) to the point. So, you know, these people are there, you know what your job is. And, uh, You know, there's a whole week away. They could still replace you between going from Rosemont to St. Louis for the Final Four. So I remember five minutes left in the game. Remember, this was the dream season. The stars were supposed to be in perfect alignment to win the national championship. Ha, ha, ha. I look up with five minutes left, and we're down by 15. And I thought, oh, you're going to blow this. And then I thought, can't think that way. Focus on the job. So I did. So much so that I had no idea why the building was moving after I said three point basket by Darren Williams.
3: Throughout the season, when in trouble in the second half, they managed to find another gear. Can they do it with time running out? There is Ogg Ingram to bat the ball away. Williams could tie it with a three. He does!
0: I looked up, huh, we tied it. When did that happen?
2: (laughs) Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is sponsored by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dog and a Chicago institution since 1893. It's grilling season, so what better than throwing some mouthwatering Vienna hot dogs and Polish sausages on the grill, then drag them through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and celery salt. I don't know about you, but I'm getting hungry. And look for the new spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available just about everywhere from restaurants, grocery stores, and the ballpark, socks and cubs, museums and zoos. You can't miss them. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and Amazon. Vienna also has farm acres chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take the word from a guy who grew up on Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at viennabeef.com. You know, I'm not sure people know this, but you're the only... PA announcer to do a World Series and an All-Star Game, a Stanley Cup playoff game, championship, Final Four, Frozen Final Four, and a marathon. You realize you can fit that on a talking bobblehead. Oh, wait a second, you have one of those.
0: Yeah, that was an accident too. That's a final. <laughs> that's a, that's a Final Four story because the two gentlemen who run the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum in Milwaukee are huge. Well, are both Chicagoans. And our huge Final Four fans. And so they met me up at the hotel one year. I don't even remember when. And said, would you be okay if we get a bobblehead? I go, really? I already got a fat head. <laughs> and, and, and now you're sculpting me on a piece of art, if you will, uh, that is supposed to have a fat head. I go, this doesn't work. I, I don't see how this works. <laughs> but they did. I hope it sells well because all the proceeds go back to um, – Illini Media, which is an autonomous company down in Champaign-Urbana, autonomous from the university, and their sole purpose is to operate the newspaper, the radio station, and two other publications, including the yearbook. And it was set up over 100 years ago in order to maintain the journalistic integrity of a newspaper so that it was not under direct university control. If it weren't for WPGU, you and I aren't talking right now. And so any monies that they can generate from the sale of those bobbleheads, great. Thank you.
2: (laughs) You know, there's another gig that you do, and it's where we see your handsome face. You do pledge drives, uh, not only for WTTW here, but PBS, the network. Tell me a story. I don't know. How did you get into that racket?
0: I was at an audition for something completely different. And there in the waiting room before you go in for your audition is Cheryl Hamada, who I had seen on Pledge. I had seen, and there's a little, not a little, there's a lot of pride there because uh, she and I are both Asian-Americans. We're both Japanese-Americans. And I said, you know, you do a great job. And thank you for what you do on Channel 11. We exchanged business cards. What I did not expect was um, several weeks later, she called me at the radio station. And said, "WTTW is looking for an Asian male to host Pledge. Would you be interested?" I went to the audition. It was frightening because the audition was held on the set of John Callaway's Chicago Tonight, and they say, "Sit here, huh?" This is where Callaway sits. I am not sitting here. <laughs> No, I don't, because you're going to tell him later who was sitting in this chair, and he's going to get <laughs> mad. No. We did the audition, and a couple of months later, they said, uh, if you're still interested, we'd like to have you come try out on on the air. And, and I did. You'll have a chance, <laughs> maybe, uh, because hopefully call you'll in. call us right now yes. and put your name in for Do. that drawing. It'll Do. take place in a little bit. It includes airfare, a three-piece luggage set. You'll have the chance. We'll take that trip but only if you call, because this is your last chance to be able to lend your support. By the way, Asian male, that's the only time I've ever been 100% qualified for a job in my life.
2: <laughs> you are a Chicagoan, born here, educated here at St. High School. You still live here, and story be told, not far from me. What was growing up like, and when did you know you had the voice that could be used as a lifetime profession?
0: I still don't know that. Um, Like I said, I I never expected or or, or dreamed of being an announcer. It's something that happened late. I I was 21 by the time I first did this. Um, Granted, in high school, our band instructor uh, would always ask me to MC the assemblies to promote the uh, music department's concerts. And really, that was my only experience on a microphone. It it just happened. Um, Probably the only reality was, well, one, the first time I heard myself on the air, and my father was right, you talk too fast. (laughs) But then when another station in town that was just starting at that time hired me, I thought, maybe you could do this. And in truth, I think I did it for a while only because I had still not decided what I really wanted to do when I grow up. Still haven't, by the way, haven't grown up and still haven't decided. You and me both. And yeah, I mean, you know, there's an old saying, I have to grow old, but I don't have to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I still do. I- I'm still on that path. You know, let's see how long we can keep doing this. Besides the hectic schedule you have, you made yeah, room to be an instructor with After School Matters.
2: Tell me a story, I don't know how this came about.
0: It was one of the most therapeutic things I ever did. It was something that helped to keep me doing what I do. Uh, I had been let go by the radio station after 16 years. Didn't know, okay, maybe this is now life's way of telling you it is time to grow up. And then I was asked by a friend, would you be interested in doing a broadcasting class? as part of after-school matters. And so I thought, okay, it's something to do. I had no idea I was going to be doing all these other public address jobs. But you know what it also did was it made you, made me do something that you you and I have heard athletes say thousands and thousands of times. And that is, when they're in a slump, what's the first quote you always get? Well, I have to go back to basics. I have to go back to fundamentals. So did I. And it was wonderful because you go back to those basics, you go back to the, the fundamentals of, of, of what you're supposed to do. And yeah, okay, I still like this business. I still like what I do. Let's keep doing it. In the meantime, myself and a couple of friends who I brought in to help because I'm not as technical as I should be for television, And what we did is uh, the after-school matters gave us some great equipment. Uh, We were at Curie High School, which luckily had a very nice in-house AV system. What we wound up doing was producing a weekly sports show just about Curie that was all done by them. You never saw me. You never heard me. It, It should be and was all about the kids. And we did that for several years. And I really miss doing that. It forced me to do some things on the computer that I wasn't sure I was able to do. It forced me to learn some things that, and I've always hated hearing people go, oh, I can't learn these things. Oh, I'm not good at those things. Too bad. (laughs) Grow up and, and, and figure it out. And in many ways, if I hadn't done that then, a lot of the things that we went through in 2020, I would not have been able to do.
2: You know, of all the things you do, I did not know you were a movie star.
0: Do you still get residuals? Yeah, I'm still not.
2: That <laughs> I still do.
3: Uh,
0: the checks still come every quarter. Uh, they're getting smaller, George. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're they're getting very, very, very close to the point where the postage on the envelope is worth more than the check what were, inside. <laughs>
2: what were the roles? What were these?
0: What were these movies? I had a friend. Still do, actually, who runs a talent agency specializing in Asians. And at the time, they were just getting started, so they needed people to go to these auditions just to beat numbers, which was fine. What I never expected was to get hired for a part. Uh, I played a Japanese businessman in a Dana Carvey movie, and then I had to play the role of the Black Hawks public address announcer in a Vince Vaughn movie, and in true Hollywood style. <laughs> I had to go to audition for my own job. And Don Monley walking in the door, you know, (laughs) hey, by the way, how stupid are you going to feel if you don't get the job? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's going to be really silly if you don't get hired to be the Blackhawks PA announcer. Since you are the Blackhawks PA announcer. (laughs) You are a trivia buff.
2: So tell me a story I don't know. What's so alluring about being part of a team competition? Because the word
0: is, the word is, Gene, you're pretty good at this. No, no, I'm terrible at it. But you said the key word, team. I don't go there to win the prize. I go there to socialize with the people that you're with there who are participating. I'll be honest. You know, we do this in bars. Rumor has it they serve adult beverages. And here's another rumor for you. I'm consuming adult beverages with everyone else. <laughs> That's the fun of it. The socializing is the fun of it.
2: Well, which which parts are you good at? Which what aren't you good at?
0: Horrible at geography. Oh my! It's amazing I can find my way home after a Blackhawks or a White Sox game.
2: Oh please um, don't 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 tell me about that because uh, if you gave me a compass, I couldn't go left, right, up, or down. Yeah. Thank goodness for the Internet and for Google and for all these, you know, the people that are sitting there going, make a right, make a left, go this way. Otherwise, my sense of direction is kind of like yours.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, I I keep wishing that the uh, GPS in my – and I have an old, old car, and so it does have a GPS, though, of, of an outdated data disk. But I don't need you to tell me to turn right in 500 feet. I need you to turn, tell me to turn right now, <laughs> here, <laughs> well, what are, this what is are, the place. What are you good at in, in trivia? Oh, I and... don't, some, some history, um, mostly, uh, uh, I guess what would be considered pop culture history before, oh, say, 2000, before the 90s, things like that. When I left radio in 2000, I think my music knowledge just fell off the edge of the table. Uh, but some things before that, yeah, okay, I remember some of that. I was there. I should remember parts of it.
2: I asked this final question to all of my guests, Gene. If not for PA announcing, what would you have been?
0: I have no idea. I mean, as I said, I was supposed to be an engineer. I think back to whether or not I would have been good at that. I don't think so. I went into finance, specializing in real estate. I should have gone into that, I guess, but the field I I was in, the way that was taught down at Illinois was uh, basically you were an appraiser, so I would have probably done something like that. I am so fortunate that I get to do what I do now, whether it's on the air or in an arena, that even thinking about other things that I might have considered just isn't something that you consider.
2: Thank you, Gene Honda, for telling me a story I don't know. My thanks to the Chicago White Sox, the Chicago Blackhawks, the University of Illinois, DePaul University, the Chicago Marathon, CBS, WTTW, the Big Ten Network, and the NCAA for those great highlights. And big thanks to T.J. Reeves, who works diligently behind the scenes to put this podcast on the map. Will Hatzel, whose deft editing makes this podcast sound a whole lot better and T.T. Schinken, whose graphics are an artistic delight. And thanks again to our sponsors, the Vienna Beef Company and the Polina Market for their generous support. Join me next time for another episode of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote.
0: What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10.